Welcome, tennis fans, to KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, featuring International Tennis Hall of Famer, former world number one Mats Vlander, and Texas Longhorn all-time great, two-time All-American Johnny Levine. Your host of KickServeRadio.com is Andy Zoden. So, take it away, AZ. And take it away, I will. Welcome, everybody. KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, and it is tennis and paradise season. Indian Wells is underway as we speak. We move from Indian Wells to Phoenix to Miami. A lot of sunshine tennis in the United States. And guys, the storylines, Matt Svelander and Johnny Levine, are probably bigger at Indian Wells because of who's not playing than who is playing. But I want to start with a guy who is playing some of the best tennis of his life. I'm really impressed with this guy, and that's Alex Dimonar. And, Mats, I want to start with you, Johnny. I know you were you were very taken with this kid and what we saw from him in Acapulco as well. But, Mats, when you were at your very best, they always talked about your biggest weapon was your brain. I heard Nolsey talking about Demonar, and it sounds to me like his biggest weapon is his speed. He referred to Demonar's speed as intimidating and causing you to try to do things that maybe were, were, were a little higher risk than you should because of everything that he can track down. What were your thoughts on what you saw from Demonar down in Mexico? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely a brilliant athlete, um, a brilliant competitor for sure. I mean, he competes hard for every point. Does he always play his best on the big points? Maybe not necessarily, but I think that all someone like that needs is a big win. And I would say Acapulco is that big win that's going to give him the confidence to maybe go for a little bit more at times when he's ahead in the score. Um, I think if you don't play your best, you're not going to beat Alex and a lot of players don't play at their best, but at the same time, I'm still looking for uh, him to to do something more with his tennis when things are going in uh, his way, so to speak, or when he's up a break or up 40-15. And I have to say, in this, especially in the finals against Tommy Paul, he was going for his serve. He was serving bombs, and I've never really seen him do that before. So his speed is his strength for sure. I think tactically, sometimes he has to put his speed to the side and maybe go for bigger shots just to intimidate his opponent even more than knowing, just like a Novak Djokovic, that when it's when it's important, then let's go to lockdown. Don't miss a ball, run everything down, and let's see if this guy can beat me when it's closed at the end of sets or in, in the middle of sets, when it's close uh, in the actual game. So, so excited to see him win. Of course, Tommy Paul living here in America and seeing him improve so much. Uh, and with the match he had against Taylor Fritz, there was part of me that was very much rooting for Tommy Paul because that would have been a monumental effort. But uh, Alex Diminar, I think it was more important for him in many ways than it is for Tommy Paul. Johnny, when you when you look at, at Diminar and, and you think of, why he wins. We talk about this foot speed, but we talk about him sort of grinding his opponents down both physically and even more so emotionally. We saw it happen in the semifinals against Holger Runa. I guess he added a syllable this year. Now that his rankings in the top 10 used to be just Holger Rune, but he beat him in three after losing the first set. 
looked for all the world like Tommy Paul had that final in hand, but Demonar just, as Matt said, just stayed at it, played all the points, and then ends up running away with the third set. Do you think that based on the way we saw him stay in those matches and grind those guys down, that that's what winning best of five set matches and therefore having great results at majors. Is that the the stuff that it's made of right there? Here's Johnny. Yeah, I do agree with that, Andy. I think Damonar is, um, is headed to the top 10 very quickly. And I think he's um, really the, uh, a big future in, in the, in worldwide tennis. And I think he could end up being uh, a semifinalist finalist and potentially winning a grand slam. I mean, this kid is, there is no one that he doesn't think he can beat. He's fearless out there. He hits the heck out of the ball, moves fantastic. Uh, young guy, he's already won six ATP tour titles. That's a lot. And um, he, so he's been in big, big situations. He's going to continue to get better. And um, I, I think the future is just so bright for Damon R. And he's a fun guy to watch. Mass, one if you if you looked at the two finals that I watched or the two tournaments, and that was what was going on in Acapulco and what was going on in Chile, you saw two very different atmospheres as far as I'm concerned. I really loved the way Demonar and Tommy Paul and even Taylor Fritz and Holger Rune just played great tennis without all the bullshit. You know, there wasn't a lot of come on and all the screaming, and there wasn't histrionics and there wasn't confrontation, there wasn't to call it what it is, a lot of the stuff that we love about watching Nick Kyrgios. But it was great tennis. There was no lack of entertainment. Now, you go down to Chile and you watch Nicholas Yare winning for the first time in a while on home soil. And I don't care who's playing. If there's a Chilean playing in Chile, it's a Davis Cup atmosphere. So the two atmospheres were very contrasting. But how how pleased were you to see, particularly in Mexico, these two guys just go about their business in very Mats Vlander, if you will, business-like fashion and still play tennis at such a high and entertaining level? Yeah, I mean, I must say, when I was watching the final, there was there were times in that final where the level was not good, I thought. Uh, first okay. of all, Tommy Paul and Alex Diminar, they're very similar in style. They're unbelievably quick. Um, they, they have good forehands, good backhands. In fact, their forehands are quite similar because they don't hit it with a lot of topspin. Um, the serve is a weapon at times, but more than anything is movement. So the level wasn't great at times, but it's not going to be in a match between two guys that are they're running for everything. They're getting to everything. It's very difficult to hit winners. When do you overplay? So I agree with you. I was really impressed with both of them keeping it kind of together. A brilliant show, really competitive, fun as hell. I didn't want it to end. Uh, and uh, I mean, Tommy Paul, holy smokes, has he has he come a long way from where he used to be in terms of the fighting spirit and then the physical strength and determination to not give up. So for Tommy Paul, it's a big week. It's surprising he's only won one tournament, Tommy Paul. He will win more, but um, hopefully uh, he will hoist a trophy, not just at the Stockholm Open. Johnny, it was a great final. No question about it, Dimonor and Paul. But the Paul-Fritz match, I think, really was the epic match in that tournament. Now, that being said... Rune and, and Demonar started so late that many of us didn't see it because I think Fritz throwing up and Paul cramping for the entire third set kind of wore all of us out. But you being the guy that loves to really, you know, keep up with the young American players to see those guys 
put on that kind of a show with Taylor Fritz playing that match as the number five ranked player in the world and not coming out on top. How proud of American tennis were you to watch, you know, let's call that a little mini spectacle. Yeah. I mean, it's great to see these, these Americans advancing to deep into these tournaments and Tommy Paul is certainly um, coming into his own and showing that he's a, a solid top 20 player has no no problem facing you know the top guys, including you know one of his his childhood rivals Taylor Fritz, who I'm sure he's beaten many times. But um, yeah, it's just fun to see, and and I know that uh, that the Americans are, are are continuing to do great. They're, the depth is amazing. They keep uh, you know vying against each other and want it, seeing you know guys do well and they want it. They know they can do well too, and I think that's what's really been helpful to the Americans, believing that they can do it by seeing their their compatriots uh, have such success. And I, I think I think that's that's been the key with Tommy Paul for sure to see how how well Fritz is doing. No question that this this momentum is, momentum is building on itself. Let's go to break real quick, guys, because I want to get right into tennis in the desert, which includes Indian Wells, which is happening as we speak, which includes the Arizona Tennis Classic, which will be happening during week two of Indian Wells, and all of the great storylines. We'll be right back. You're listening to kickserveradio.com, part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Don't go away. Andy Zoden here, and I am joined by Ryan Burberry and Jessica Auerkirk. Ryan is the owner and Jessica is the marketing director for Velocity Tennis. And it's very exciting because you guys have just come out with what has to be termed as a revolutionary new product. It is the Velocity Catalyst String. Ryan, it's biodegradable. I mean, I've never heard of biodegradable tennis string. Talk to me about it. Yeah, definitely. So it's the first uh, 100% biodegradable synthetic tennis string. So obviously, like natural gut, it's made from um, kind of cow intestines, so that that's biodegradable. But this is the first overall arching synthetic string that's biodegradable, which is revolutionary. So Jessica, Ryan talking about cow intestines is probably why you are the marketing director. <laughs> And from a marketing perspective, biodegradable is one thing. But if I'm getting ready to go play an important tennis match, that may not be the main focus for me that day. Talk about performance of the string. We recently submitted Velocity Catalyst biodegradable string to the playtesters at Racket Sports Industries magazine. And they sent it out to, I believe, 50 plus players of all different levels and um, got them to test it, get their feedback. And what the playtesters found was that it was a very durable string, very um, spin-friendly, and had really good control. So it received high marks from the players in all those areas. Yeah, and we're doing uh, buy one, get two free sets at the original retail price, just as an introductory offer. So if you try it out, you buy one set and you get two extra ones for either you or your friends. Get three For the price of one, you can't beat that. The website is VelocityTennis.com. This is Velocity, V-E-L-O-C-I-T-I. Thanks for being on with us, you guys. Good luck with everything. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Attention, tennis travel fanatics. Sarah Z here for Tennis Channel Podcast Network, reminding you to get to the 2023 BNP Paribas Open, held at the spectacular Indian Wells Garden on your destination list. The BNP Paribas Open is wonderful in terms of the type of tennis that's available. The venue is spectacular. I have been to Wimbledon. I have been to the French Open. I have been to the U.S. Open. By far and away, Indian Wells, that is tennis in paradise, hands down. Tickets are hard to come by and they go fast. So you can go to bmpperibasopen.com and get your tickets today. Like I said, they go fast and it is a place that you want to be and an event you will not want to miss. Tennis in paradise. It is not just an expression. It is a reality. Welcome back, everybody. KickServeRadio.com, part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Tennis in Paradise is the theme, and we are going to Indian Wells. We are going to Phoenix, Arizona. It is going to be some great weather and some great tennis. As far as Indian Wells is concerned, the storylines, to some extent, revolve around the players that aren't there. Nadal is injured. And I think when it comes to Novak Djokovic, guys, There was a time when I think all three of us were maybe in different camps with regard to our opinion about Djokovic, whether he should play in Australia, whether he should be allowed to, and all of the narratives that went with that. I don't think anybody's on a different page anymore. Novak Djokovic should be at Indian Wells. It's a huge slight to the tournament. The way, and it's unfortunate that the timing of the U.S. lifting this band is just about a month shy of him being able to play in either Indian Wells or Miami, but he played in Australia, he played in France, he played in Italy, he's playing all over the world. This guy is no threat to anybody's health, and the number one player in the world, Matt's not being at Indian Wells really hurts the luster of that ATP 1000. No, it absolutely does, of course, and I think you're right. I think most people are. I'm not necessarily saying that most people are on Novak's side uh, when it comes to uh, vaccinating and not vaccinating, but that's becoming completely irrelevant. We want to see Novak. The way that he's handled himself through all this, to me, is absolutely brilliant. He hasn't been bitter, except maybe when he's on the match court, he's maybe looking for revenge, but that's what we're we're making out of the story. So, yes, I think to not have Novak, Novak. Uh, now, you tell me, in Indian Wells, are, is it not going to be full because Novak is not there? I think it's still going to be full. So if you're a real Novak fan, it's important to look at it the other way. The other way is that to not go to America and play Indian Wells in Miami means that he's going to be much fresher come Cincinnati, the Canadian Open, and the U.S. Open. And at this point in time, if you're a Novak Djokovic fan, you want him to be the greatest of all time. It's Grand Slams that matter. So I think if people can look at it in, in, in that way, in terms of a long-term career for Novak, it's physically not a bad thing for him. And he's he's shown that when he didn't play the U.S. Open uh, last year, and he comes back and wins the Australian Open this year. So to him, most probably doesn't matter that much. But to the little town if I may say that, of Palm Springs or Indian Wells. I mean, to not have Novak Djokovic is is bad because it puts Palm Springs or Indian Wells on the map. 
people will, will there'll be a different vibe. People will go out into the restaurants, they go and eat, and they go have a few cocktails, and, and there'll be more of a celebration. But at the same time, because Americans are doing so well, and really the reason, and you touched on it, American players right now, and, and it's always been the case with John Isner, who's fought to the last point. Francis Tiafo showed it at the U.S. Open. That was an unbelievable effort. And then we have J.J. Wolf, uh, who's shown it as well. Michael Moe is showing great fighting spirit. And, of course, Taylor Fritz, Tommy Paul. So I think American players have together sort of realized, okay, you know what? We're going as full and as hard as we can. And that wasn't always the uh, image that the professional world of tennis had of American players for a while. And I remember very well when um, a commentator at the Tennis Channel said after watching David Ferrer play Janko Tipsarevich at the U.S. Open, and I remember walking towards him in the corridor at the, at, at the Arthur Ashe Stadium, and he looked at me and he said, we don't have those fighters in American tennis, not at this moment. You do now. And because of that, I think Indian Wells is going to be so special because any of the Americans can win that title again. Taylor Fritz can defend if Novak Djokovic is not there. So I think you look at it the other side, it's a great opportunity for American players. And look what last year's win did for Taylor Fritz. Look what that has done to Tommy Paul and Francis Tiafo. And I think we need to welcome the, uh, the um, situation for American tennis. And that's without even mentioning Ben Shelton, who in that thin air on those courts in Palm Springs may have a little something to say about it as well. Johnny, you know what, as Matt's is talking about that, I'm thinking to myself, as a Djokovic fan, which you you always have been, and you've been behind this guy all the way, are you able to reconcile in your mind him not playing these tournaments in the name of maybe calling it to coin a phrase that we take from the NBA load management. We're seeing LeBron playing as good a basketball as he's ever played at age 38. We just saw Tom Brady play to age 45. And are you okay with Djokovic sitting out an event or two here or there in the name of elongating his career and getting to see a little bit more of him for years to come? Well, I'm, 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 big on it if it's up to him I, you know right. if it's his choice i think it's great, great um you know it, it's possible that without him you know knowing it he, he might be preserving his body but he's a guy that's in some of the best shape of any athlete in the world and i think that you know he wants to compete he wants to go for big masters titles i know the grand slams are are his goal but i think these masters tournaments are you know part of the lead in to being victorious in the slam. So, and certain ones, especially like Indian Wells. So I think it's a shame that, that uh, he's not playing there. Um, But at the same time, I think the preservation of the body, uh, as long as he is getting good competition close to the slams uh, could, could actually help him. Like you said. Matt's when I was at Indian Wells a few years back, I did something that I oftentimes do which is ask a question in a press conference and get and get sort of scoffed at, get get scolded, get get reprimanded by either Roger or Novak or Rafa. They've all done it to me at one time or another. I think I've got this great question, and then somehow or another I find out very harshly that I didn't. Better research next time, buddy. <laughs> and one of the times was when I said to Roger, are you fearful that when you and Rafa and Novak ride off into the sunset, 
that there will be a void in the game, a popularity void as a result of you guys being gone. But now that we're seeing the level of tennis, we talked about Paul and Demonard, Paul and Fritz. We saw Sinner and Alcaraz play what is what you and I, I think, and Johnny agree, it's maybe the highest level of tennis that's ever been played when they played in the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open last year. Is the level now of play allowing tennis to maintain a, a level of, of popularity among tennis fans that allows us to be okay with certainly not Djokovic being gone yet because he's not, but this, this premise of this big three eventually father time catching up. I believe so. I really do. I remember um, being on a uh, uh, advisory board of the ATP together with uh, John McEnroe and Carlos Moya, Leighton Hewitt. And he, Leighton said that, oh no, no, tennis is not about Roger Federer or Rafa Nadal, or it's not about the great champions. It's about great rivalries. And I think we're starting to get great rivalries. Clearly, Yannick Sinner and Carlos Alcaraz will be one. Um, I think Holger Rune is going to start uh, building some rivalries of his own because he's a um, he's a fiery player, and I could watch him against anyone. It doesn't have to be a, a contrast of style because I'm not really sure what style I could put him under. It's clear that Alex Diminar and Tommy Paul are very, very similar in style. And like you said, that was a great finals. Okay, the level for me at times means it's a final. So it's not going to be great. But what we've seen Djokovic and Nadal play finals and the level has been so-so at times and then suddenly it explodes and it becomes this absolute spectacle, both physically and emotional. So I think that tennis is going to be fine. Obviously, it helps to have Carlos Alcaraz uh, in the wings because he's so exciting to watch. But I, don't, I think we need rivalries. That, that's the main thing. It doesn't hurt to have great champions stick around for a long time. And preservation, like you said, LeBron James, I think that's what Novak, he's not doing intentionally. Of course, we know that. But in the long run, he's proven to himself that, hey, it's not a bad thing to get a month off from hardcore tennis. You talk about him being fresh in Cincinnati in the U.S. Open. Rafael Nadal might not be so happy to know how fresh that guy's going to be in the clay court season. And I think he probably would love to win another French. Johnny, I want to talk. When I was at Indian Wells last year, I watched Holger Runa play Berrettini. Uh, and I remember thinking, boy, this kid, that's a nice effort for him to go three sets with Berrettini. And then I remember thinking just recently, boy, that was actually a pretty good win for Berrettini to beat that guy. Talk about cleaning the court. Six love, one love. And Berrettini can't finish the match. Since Berrettini's career sort of, you know, kind of the catalyst, he points back to Phoenix for winning that Arizona Tennis Classic in 2019. And we saw what he did from there at finishing in the top 10 that year. But now it's almost as if even people from his own country are questioning his motivation. And they're almost accusing of it, of being sort of a male Anna Kornikova, if you will. He's more worried about the Hugo Boss ads and being on billboards. And when you see him, he, yeah, maybe I was wrong, but he looked like he, he may have put on a few. I mean, are you concerned about Berrettini not being in and among this new group of guys that when we talk about the game pushing forward into the next generation, that Berrettini is going to have maybe missed his window? Yeah, it just takes such intense focus nonstop. And that's why you have to go back to the big three and how they've done this for 20 years uh, without fail. And, and a guy like Berrettini who has some, you know, a lot of these guys, they, they, they kind of get up there and then they get a little complacent. And like you said, you know, big contract with, with boss and, you know, billboards and 
wall signs and commercials and things. And, you know, you lose that focus a little. And, and so I think it, it has a way of affecting players, certain players. And it does appear there, there might be a little bit of an effect on Matteo Berrettini. Let's hope not. But, you know, it's just so competitive. And I do believe that Berrettini has a couple of gaps in his game. I think the backhand is a weakness. Um, certainly, you know, the movement, he's a big guy. It's not that easy to move when you're that size and you're built like that. So, and guys coming up. So I think it's a combination of things, Andy, but, um, certainly, you know, he's got that huge serve, huge forehand. And if he gets back to focus, he definitely is, is a threat to stay in the top 10. Okay, guys, let's go to break. And when we come back, it's the biggest week in tennis of the year for one Johnny Levine. And that is the week of March 13th through 20th, because it is the third rendition of the Arizona Tennis Classic. And the field is loaded. Can't wait to talk about it. The, The tennis has been fabulous the first two years. Let's go to break. We'll come back and we will pimp the hell out of the Arizona Tennis Classic. Don't go away. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. guys, Sarah Z here with a kick serve, quick serve with my friend and nutrition guru, Courtney Ward with Body Fuse. Courtney, as we ladies start to get, oh, shall I say more advanced or more experienced in our life, our fitness levels take a hit if we're not careful, don't they? You know, Sarah, they do, unfortunately, and I highly suggest supporting your activities at every stage pre-workout, intra-workout, and post-workout. So you want to think about a pre-workout. We have a product called Endgame, and that basically will allow you to increase your energy and focus during your workout. And then intra-workout is almost just as critical. So we have branched-chain amino acids called BCAA311, and that's a perfect product to allow your body to almost refuel while you're working out. It's a super hydrator as well as a muscle recovery while you're working out. And then finally, protein is critical post-workout and Body Fuse Lean Protein is one of the highest quality proteins on the market. Very, very effective, a slow, long burn, six to eight hours after ingestion and after that workout. So your energy, you're not, you're not going to crash and your energy continues. You're feeding your muscles and you just feel Great. So with these three elements, pre, intra, and post-workout, you're really going to support yourself at all stages in any activities, in intense workouts, tennis matches, body strength conditionings, uh, sessions, etc. Fantastic. And one more time, Body Fuse. BodyFuseUSA.com. Well, I'm Sarah Z. She's Courtney with Body Fuse. And now back to more tennis talk with the Kickserve Radio Boys.
Welcome back, everybody. KickServeRadio.com, Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Tennis in Paradise is upon us. Final segment. So excited for myself because I get to go to Indian Wells and Phoenix. Very excited for your tournament, Johnny. We've talked about Indian Wells and the storylines of who will be there and even maybe more importantly, who will not be there. But what's exciting is that you've got a field. And the last time we talked, and this is always a fluid thing, a couple of weeks ago, the cutoff was at 76. As we go into this year's um, ATP Super Challenger, the Arizona Tennis Classic with 175 points at stake, where's the cutoff? Well, as you know, and Matt's knows well, when you have um, these events, there could be pullouts because of injuries, okay. uh, schedules, and things of, of that nature. There's been a couple already. Um, it looks like we are right now currently at 77. Okay. Same as last year. Yes. Well, 77 was the initial last year. And then this year, this year it was 72, but right now we are just going to be waiting for the, for the, uh, results at Indian Wells to see which players in our field get past the third round and then are automatically pulled out. And then the acceptance acceptance list drops a little further down to the next guy in. We have given a wild card to Gail Monfils, who wants more matches, and he plays if he wins his first round. I think he might play a qualifier, and then he would play Sitsipas. Wow. Oh, at Indian Wells. At Indian Wells. Well, I was thinking that's a pretty good draw at your tournament. <laughs> yeah, at Indian Wells. <laughs> okay. And um, so, you know, it's a bit of a fluid, um, you know, situation with the player field, but we, we know that we're going to be guaranteed all the guys in, in, in the top 100 for sure. And, um, you know, the qualifying cutoff is like at one thirty. So we just we'll, we'll, we we could get some major surprises. We might get a top guy that uh, well, we can't get a top 10 guy, but we can get 11 through, you know, 11 and above that might lose early that hasn't had a lot of matches and, and wants to play, you know, before they go to Miami. So we just have to kind of wait and see how the first you know weekend comes out at Indian Wells and, and we'll be following it real closely. Matt, you were there last year. You didn't get to come the first year, but you came last year, and you played in a lot of different tournaments at a lot of different venues. Granted, a guy that wins the French at 17 probably doesn't play a lot of challengers in his career after that, but you've been to several. Where would you rate the atmosphere and the field and just the whole, like, as a destination to come watch tennis for people that enjoy watching pro tennis? Kind of kind of handicap that for us. Oh, it's an unbelievable experience to see these players because honestly, the way that the men's game is going, there's not a huge difference between the guy who's ranked 70 in the world and the guy who's ranked 17 in the world these days. The way that they hit the ball, the way that they move, the physicality of the game and being a, a, a sort of a smallish uh, stadium at the Phoenix Country Club, you get so close and you realize how good and how athletic they are. But more than anything, to me, Johnny, you should be so proud because suddenly, since you had your first tournament, we now have a tournament in Dallas that's 250. We have a ladies tournament in Austin, Texas. We have a, a tournament in San Diego, both for the men and women. And and you were kind of the first one. So the start of American tennis starts with having tournaments at home, and that's certainly the case now. So Phoenix, to me, uh, was such an important uh, move by you. And then, of course, the players absolutely love it. They love the conditions. I think they enjoy playing in a stadium that's a little bit smaller. You get a little bit better 
feel for the ball. The sound effects are different. The crowd is a little closer than when you play on the center court at Indian Wells, where it's huge and you don't get that feeling. So uh, if you're a tennis fan, yes, it's cool to go to Indian Wells. But if you're a real tennis fan, you really need to go to these smaller tournaments because you can get so close. And and the one Arizona Tennis Classic at Phoenix Country Club, wow, it was such a – Pleasure to be there last year. And even I have seen so much tennis to sit that close and to watch these guys. Dennis Kudla, of course, won both singles. It's, it's just unbelievable. And you realize how many great players there are today. So it sounds to me, Johnny, like Matt's is sort of crediting you with being maybe like the father of American tennis right now, which is <laughs> maybe akin to like Al Gore inventing the Internet. But, but again, and I agree with Matt's, what you have put out there for people that haven't seen it, the atmosphere, people of might have gone to River Oaks in Houston and have that country club atmosphere and the hospitality is first class and the way the Phoenix Country Club rolls out the red carpet. It's all just such a, a really a, a beautiful experience. But do you then hearken back when you're sitting there to your days? Because Matt's may not have been playing challengers, but you certainly were and you were winning the things. And so does it sort of you know take you back to that time when, when you were doing your thing and you were kind of making a run of the top 100 yourself? Well, I mean, I did did play challengers. I played them all over the world. And uh, I, I just have to say, though, Andy, the challengers that I played were the typical challengers where, you know, players were 100 to 300 in the world. Okay. This is a challenger where all your field is in the top 100. It just has a different feel. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, it, you know, the level is just, you know, higher. And so this is not a typical challenger from that perspective. However, um, you know, it's 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 still, a, you know, it's still a top level challenger. And, um, you know, the, it, it gives an opportunity for the local community to come out and it's affordable and the environment is great at the Phoenix Country Club. The weather, we hope and keep our fingers crossed, is great this time of year. And it's just all around, uh, you know, a great uh, hospitality event to, to attend. It's a great social event. You watch some of the best tennis players in the world. You'll run into a lot of former Longhorn tennis players if you show up because they're all there to support Johnny Matz. Before we go, we've talked a lot about the men's game, but in the circles that you run with Eurosport and all of your different responsibilities for staying up with, with the pro game, both the men's and women's tour, how, how do you consider the health of the women's game to be sort of sort of post-Serena and Naomi Osaka's not around, Ash Barty not around. We see Sabalenka win and play at a high level. We see Rubakina play at a really high level, making it to the final of Australia. Coco Goff playing well, Jesse Pagula. The overall health of the women's tour, how do the folks that do what you do uh, consider that to be right now? Yeah, so we consider it at being at an extremely high level. Okay. Uh, and it's not always easy to say that when you have players that dominate the sport, such as Serena Williams or Steffi Graf or Monica Sellers or go back to Navratilova and Everett. And of course, Iga Schwantek has been dominating in her own, in her own way, but not for that long. And now she's getting beaten. So I think we all realize that, oh my goodness, when you go and watch women's tennis, it is so good. They are so athletic. And of course, then you keep in mind, Oh, it's the highest paid sport for professional female athletes out there. And you, when you see them, you know why. There's so many great ball strikers, great fighters that come from everywhere in the world. And to see Gaswantek getting beaten, I think it's very healthy for the women's tour. So anyone from Caroline Garcia 
to uh, Barbora Krajcikova. I mean, they are so good. And the same is true for the women's game. If it's a women's tournament, the WTA stamp on it, go and watch it because the level is so high and anything can happen from the first round on. It's tennis in paradise week, AZ, Mats, and Johnny. And Johnny, I'm giving you the last word because I meant to ask you about it last time. I'm going to ask you about it this time. Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. And while we're at it, we're talking about, you know, LeBron and we're talking about Tom Brady and we're talking about load management, Novak Djokovic. But Kevin Durant is a guy that you went into the Texas Longhorn Hall of Honor with, which was super cool to see you guys sitting by each other in that class. Now, all of a sudden, your boy comes to Phoenix. How excited are Suns fans with all of the changes that have happened with ownership and now Durant coming to town to play with Devin Booker and CP3? Unbelievable. Yeah, the fans are really, really excited about it. I think one thing they're not excited about is how the ticket prices have gone crazy. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> right, rightfully yeah. so. But yeah. it, it's really just, I mean, Kevin Durant, one of the greatest of all time. I mean, that guy, you know, they just beat Dallas the other day right at, at the end of the game there. They pulled that one off. And I think you just see a smile on Devin Booker's face that just won't go away. I don't think he can still, I think he's pinching himself that he's got Kevin Durant on that court with him. And um, wherever he goes, they're, they're going to, they're going to be a, a threat to win the title. And people are already thinking that they are one of the leading favorites to win the title, but it, it's, it's just really, really great for the community to have a, a guy, a guy like Kevin Durant of that stature. He is a great person and, uh, well-respected in, in, in everything that he does. And so we're just really pumped up to have him, and, and it doesn't hurt that he's a Longhorn for sure. All right, Matt, you heard it. You know, Johnny's very excited about Kevin Durant, and uh, I don't know how much you follow the NBA, but ha- how much of this guy have you seen? Well, I have to say, I don't follow the NBA that much uh, anymore. I used to when I lived in New York City in the days of Patrick Ewing. But I have to say that Kevin Durant, when I watch him play basketball, he is obviously an unbelievable basketball player, one of the best for sure. But he looks like a normal person that just kind of walked off the street into a basketball court. He's not massive in terms of the physicality. So I can only imagine the skill level that Kevin Durant has to be able to play at that level, not having the build of, let's say, a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan, but still up there. So to me, I love watching him because he just seems like a regular guy who's playing a regular game of basketball and then he's one of the best in the world. So I'm a big Kevin Durant fan. All right, there you go. I mean, the guy knows way more about the NBA than I would have ever given him credit for. So there's Mats Vlander on Kevin Durant. All right, guys. AZ, the great Mats Vlander, seven, sorry, make it eight-time Grand Slam champion and Texas Longhorn Hall of Honor 2022 inductee in the class with Kevin Durant. Johnny Levine, I'm Andy Zoden. This has been kickserveradio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Enjoy that tennis in paradise, everybody.